What's up, tailgaters? Welcome to Home Field Tailgate, where we talk about anything and everything sports. Yeah, we're excited to have y'all. We have a featured uh, baseball guest, Bailey Winters, on the podcast as well. We're going to talk Super Bowl recap, a little preseason when it comes to college baseball. And we also got some uh, some Birchy fun facts uh, throughout the show. So we're excited to have y'all, and uh, we're ready to get going. Yeah. Y'all want me to start with the fun facts? Sure. Yes. All right. So since it's Valentine's Day, of course, we have to do something Valentine's-y. Um, and we're honored that Bailey gets to uh, spend part of Valentine's Day with us. And and shout out to Lauren for letting her <laughs> come on here um, for a little bit. But OK, so how many cards are sent on Valentine's Day each year? You have an option of 500 million, 1 billion, 2 billion or 10 billion. Any guesses? Two billion. Two. I'm going to go billion. one billion. Thomas is correct. It's one billion cards are sent each year. Let's go. All right. Not right often. <laughs> but you were right on that. I was. Um, okay. What percentage of flowers purchased on Valentine's Day are red? Either 69%, 76%, 83%, or 94%. 69 I'm going to go 69, too. Dang. Uh, I think I'll have to go 69. Y'all nice. are, are right. <laughs> are red. 6% are peach. Nice. 4% are white. And then what do the X's and O's and XOXO stand for? Hugs and kisses. Kisses and hugs. Okay, y'all got that one. That was easy. Yeah, three for three. Come on. My last one. How many U.S. states have a city named Valentine? Is it three, four, five, or seven? I'm gonna go with seven. No, four. Five. It's four. Okay. Guess which states they, they're in. Uh, I'm gonna say Texas, California. Florida. You got Texas. No, California. Nope. Okay, no Florida. No Florida. Is it Ohio? It's always been no. Ohio. Michigan. No. Tennessee. No. Darn it. They're not close to us. Massachusetts. Nope. Maine. No. Um, it's Arizona, Nebraska, Texas, and Virginia. Okay. I would not have guessed that for a long time. Yeah. Those are my Valentine's Day fun facts. Perfect, perfect. Did y'all do anything exciting over the weekend? Um, yeah, we had our little corporate gala this weekend. So went to that. It was pretty fun. Um, nice. Hawk, Hawk came in town, so I got to see him again. So it was a fun yeah. weekend. Watched the Super Bowl, obviously, you know. Uh-huh. What about yourself? Me? So uh, I went to Nashville. Uh, Friday night, off of Hawk's recommendation, I went to the steakhouse out in okay. Franklin. Uh, very good. Forget I have to mail them a check in the morning because they don't accept cash. I mean, they only accept cash or check and obviously didn't have either. So I have to mail this restaurant a check tomorrow morning for my dinner. So um, the fact that they let you leave is, did you have to like give them There's something? a lot of trust right there. Yeah. I didn't give, I didn't give them anything, but I left them a business card. They said it happens all the time. No one's ever not paid before. So, mm -hmm. and then, yeah. So then Saturday, uh, 
Mary Morgan got us Preds tickets, so I went to my first hockey game ever. Okay. Uh, Miss Birchie was there, and then I saw her on Broadway afterwards for a few minutes. Birchie, awesome. Uh-huh. There we go. Yep, yep. She was out and about for sure. <laughs> it was a fun night. And then, and then uh, Sunday, just went to church, went to brunch, watched the Super Bowl with Birchie. Just Birchie, no Birchie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had a few vodka cranberries though, and uh, and then that that's it so far. The well, weekend's had, over, so yeah, no Valentine's. <laughs> uh, I had to leave Nashville, so no Valentine's plan in person. But gonna do a Facetime later for Valentine's Day. There you go, Bailey. Did you do anything fun? No. Pretty light week this week for school, so a little studying, not much. Hung out Saturday, Sunday, went to bed early last night, you know. Very chill weekend. Yeah, school. School's hard. It's Yeah, it's hard. Who would have thought? <laughs> Do you not have it? You're married, Bailey. Do you not have any Valentine's Day plans tonight? No, we might go out to eat after this or something, but nothing big. <laughs> little gifts. We've never been big on like, Valentine's stuff, so. Uh-huh. Oh, he's like, yeah, we we might go out to eat. Huh? Go with the flow. Got life. I like right it. Now, school. I like it. So, did you did you get her any flowers or chocolates or anything? I did. I got her flowers, some candy. So we always do like something little like that. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah, that's kind of what we did. Mary Morgan gave me some some small stuff, and I gave her some some small things. So I gave my nice. roommate some chocolate. That's sweet. That was very sweet. Also, I like the, the little Valentine's Day uh, shirt you got on right now. It looks great. Yeah. Thank you. red. He's also going in theme. Yep. He is. He's got red curtains, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. decorated. Yeah. That's what happened. Should we get into the Super Bowl? Let's do of it. Of course. How, what was everyone's say. Let me say real quick. Bailey Winters is the biggest Cincinnati Bengals. We have Bailey on here tonight for two reasons. He's, <laughs> he's the biggest Cincinnati Bengals fan in the world. Um, and number two, to preview uh, SEC baseball, most uh, notably Ole Miss. So um, that is why he is making an appearance tonight. Yep. We're excited to have Bailey. I, uh, I credit Bailey for my, my Bengals Twitter feed, which I applaud him for because I feel like I'm a fan because I read a lot of it and it's awesome. Oh yeah, I'm sure everyone's <laughs> with the amount of retweets I just throw out there. You got, you got to absolutely. <laughs> well, um, yeah, the Super Bowl, um, obviously was yesterday. Um, Bailey, since you're the Bengals fan, I'd love to kind of hear your your thoughts on the game, the season as a whole, and like kind of like what's what's the Bengals status moving forward. It was really weird because you know they had four wins last year, drafted mm-hmm. more Chase, the whole chase Sewell thing in the offseason or whatever but you start with the, the chase can't catch stuff and they started off good and you know they had a lot of low expectations I mean they mm-hmm. crushed the win over under I think it was only like four and a half or something so I mean they crushed that and they kept going and then uh AFC you know it was kind of it was definitely lighter this year and it's like started getting these glimmers of this light come through and it's like, oh, this is really happening. And they get the division mm-hmm. stuff and, you know, they won the division, get the playoffs, whatever. And it was kind of like, you know, just win one game, whatever. It's cool. We're here. 
build for next year, whatnot, and kind of, you know, they kept winning, kept winning, kind of this team of destiny stuff. And then, obviously, last night, and I'd say for the first half, the majority, you know, it was fairly good as I could hope for. I mean, yeah. Here, and this whole time, they've been like a second half team or whatever. So, within three, getting the ball out of half and stuff. So, that was a really positive outlook. And first drive, they obviously have the T. Higgins, whatever, touchdown, 75 yards of that. And they pick the ball off right there. And they only get a field goal out of that. But still, a big momentum shift. For sure. And then they have just these five drives on offense just for encapsulated kind of all of the downfalls of the season with the O-line and stuff and not being able to do much. And it was a lot of it, a lot of different things that went into it. You know, people talk about the refs and stuff, but it was a lot of little things that went into it and just crushed them as a whole. So it's good or whatever. You know, they have the 31st pick and it's going to be all be this you have to build a line for Burrow. But they're in an odd position at 31 because you expect more of the premier alignment to go off early. So you're kind of left in a weird spot there, what to do there. And so it's kind of – it's a weird spot right now. But the good thing is they have kind of the base of the team right now. A lot of for sure. main guys, rookie deals, or they already signed them in the offseason and stuff. So just have to build an O-line for the anything else to go forward. So Yeah. Well, they have, what is it, almost $60 million in cap space? Yeah, it's like they have the fourth most, I think, in the NFL, in which they're going to say all this stuff, like, oh, Mike Brown doesn't spend money and all that. And, I mean, I understand that because, I mean, he hasn't. But the past two years, I think they've been top five in the NFL. Yeah. And just spending money. It's been over, like, $200 million in contract. And, I mean, you can see it pay off and stuff, too. So, you just have to hope they do that. And I think that's big for the O-line, too. Because you'd rather build with around veterans and then instead of trying to draft people. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, you expect them in the higher rounds to come in and give you something. But, I mean, they had a second round O-lineman draft pick this year. And, I mean, he really didn't do anything. Yeah. Then you have what's-his-name, the center at Kansas City, and he's the getting votes for MVP. So, it's just kind of – it's a lot easier to build a O-line with the free agency. So, hopefully they can do that. Yeah. I mean, I think the future is incredibly bright. I mean, yeah. you look at them two years ago and then they get Burrow, they get Chase, and it's completely changed as far as, you know, the cultural mindset of what Cincinnati can do. They have Burrow's not going anywhere, Chase isn't going anywhere. I think that this is the first of probably several Super Bowl appearances for this team. Yeah, and all this stuff was kind of the first step in kind of changing the what everyone says. And that was like kind of getting Burrow was the first thing. And people talk about Mike Brown or whatever, but – a lot of people outside of Cincinnati don't realize it's Mike Brown is still the owner. Yes. The Brown family is, but a lot of it is his grandchildren and his children mm-hmm. now doing a lot more of the behind the scenes stuff. So that's been a big thing with like the free agency, just fan engagement, just little stuff like that. It started with Burrow. And so they're kind of at this spot now where they need to take that next step again, you know, right. continue, continue. And then, uh, you know, just get more stuff and try to, because, Again, kind of going back to the O-line thing, it's that time period to win is now because you want that QB on that rookie deal. So it's cheap right. and spend more money elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And so kind of building around that veteran instead of just hoping. Because, I mean, some O-line picks are, I mean, two, three-year projects. So, I mean, right. two, three years, and then Burroughs. Well, Bur- Burroughs getting $40 million yeah. a year at that point. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, you don't have that money for them. So Can we talk about how – nice to see if they kind of take that next step. 
Can we talk about how great he looked walking into the um, locker room? He had his his suit. Did y'all see a picture of that? That was yeah. probably my least favorite. I was really? <laughs> I thought it was, it was so like he had some swag in too. I like kind of his. I suit didn't like that because no. it kind of like the tiger stripes, whatnot. So that was cool. But the hat, I just think as a whole, it wasn't his best. It was still, it was still good, but wasn't his best for the playoffs at least. That's fair. I, I wouldn't say I thought it was like really good looking. I just thought it it had some swag to it for yeah. for him. But I, I certainly couldn't pull it off. But Joe can pull off whatever he wants. So oh yeah, uh, yeah, he can do whatever. I don't care what he does. <laughs> as long as he Addison, stays bright and healthy. What were your thoughts? I enjoyed the game. It was a great game. Yeah, I personally was rooting for the Rams because I wanted to see Matthew Stafford win. I get that. Um, He's so, a Highland Park boy. Go so dogs, I gotta for him. baby. Go dogs. I'm so I was happy with the outcome. It was crazy that the refs kind of didn't throw many penalty flags, weren't many penalties until the end of the game. Yeah. That part isn't, isn't the greatest. Um, mm-hmm. They definitely missed an offensive pass interference on the Jamar Chase touchdown. It definitely grabbed. Uh, that was Jaylen T. Ramsey Higgins, back. wasn't it? Oh, T. Higgins. Was it T. Higgins? I'm sorry. Yeah. Definitely grabbed uh, Ramsey by the face mask. Um, and I think I, I, I um I didn't notice at the time, but I think he was Ramsey was also tracking the ball, looking at the ball, tracking it, and was going to make a play on it uh, if he didn't have his face mask pulled. I could be wrong about that, but that's kind of what it looked like after I saw it. They were definitely um, tracking it. I think T would have caught it regardless because okay. Burrow underthrew it, which is kind of the whole reason he got the face mask in the first place because he was trying to turn back around. I think he would have caught it regardless, but I don't I – and mean, it would have been touchdown. I mean, it was whatever. It's kind of like you said, though. I'm not mad at the Logan Wilson P.I. I mean, I am because, I mean, that was just egregious. Like, he didn't – he had his hand on his pelvis when he turned. But Cooper Cup's hips never turned because of mm-hmm. Wilson. So, I mean, that was whatever. But it was just – they played 58 minutes of football. Just letting them play physical or whatever, which you'd want to see, especially in the Super Bowl. But yeah. then they just decided to call it then. Yeah. It happens, yeah. Um, but so enjoyed the game overall. It's really good Super Bowl. Lived up to the expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if OBJ doesn't get hurt, the Rams don't ever have that super long drought on offense because that's definitely was causing problems on that first drive. It seemed. Uh, of course, they probably just had a great uh, game plan to open the game, but. Um, it would have been nice to see everyone finish game healthy. I think that the Rams could have won by more if ABJ doesn't get hurt. Yeah, I think the Bengals are playing from behind then, like a touchdown or something. I don't think necessarily they would have just blown them out because the whole Rams offense is starting the run and doing everything off play action. And then the mm-hmm. Bengals had actually had a great time stopping the run for the first time yeah. of the season. And so they kind of killed the play action stuff, but they never really got the pass rush going. They could go to straight pass sets or whatever, and just mm-hmm. Stafford was sitting back there waiting for Cup to do whatever. I mean, yeah. it's just not good. I mean, they only had one sack, and it was the first drive, and it was when uh, Akers kind of cut off Whitworth for Hendrickson yeah. to push him over. I mean, yeah. that was the only time they really had a the sack or got any kind of substantial pressure. Or they had no, they did mm-hmm. have a couple sacks, but still, it wasn't anything consistent. Mm-hmm. What did y'all um, think of that? The halftime performance i didn't really have an issue with it i mean i liked it 
I can, some people hated it. Some people yeah. didn't really care. And then there's a vast population that really cared and didn't like it, but whatever. I, like, you know, I loved Snoop Dogg. I think he was my favorite. I just felt like he had a lot of swag going in. Apparently they told him he was not allowed to wear blue or yellow or like any of the team's colors. And he showed up in basically in the Rams colors, but I thought it was kind of fun. Somebody asked, um, Daniel asked, what is it that makes Joe Burrow hot? It's no doubt he is, but what is it that really seals the deal? That's a great question, Daniel. (laughs) Uh, Daniel Tortorisi, shout out to him. He was my rec league basketball coach my freshman year of high school. So honored that he's uh, he's watching this on Monday. Yeah, Tort's the man. I love Daniel. He's awesome. Yeah, he's a great dude. Yeah, that's so funny. Didn't realize that. Um, Daniel, that's a great question. I think... It's just, I don't know, the swag. I think Bailey said it. It's it's the He's swag. He's got the confidence, yeah. The way he carries himself, yeah. Um, He's uh, apparently he's... so hot that he made Wesley an LSU fan, um, is what I'm reading in the comments. Oh and then God. Daniel also said, Thomas is so hot, he almost made Daniel an Ole Miss fan. I mean, so my only wow. response is, what's it going to take to make me an Ole Miss fan? I mean, we got to find it. I, I do enjoy watching Daniel's um, Instagram stories on game day for Alabama, where he uh, posts the, the button of his wife. Yeah, the game mm-hmm. day mood. They crack me up every time. And they're like, half of them are the same. And I'm always like, this is awesome. But so keep doing that, Daniel. Never stop. Um, we'll have to get him on here to talk about. Alabama. Oh, I'm, I'm so in. Absolutely. Also, he's a big Sacramento Kings fan, which is probably a miserable life. So I'm... <laughs> I feel bad for him, but he, he wears it with a badge of honor. So I appreciate that. Um, who was the hottest halftime performer was another question. I'm going to go Snoop Dogg again. I love Snoop Dogg. Anyone else? I'm going to go 50 Cent. 50 Cent coming in upside down. Pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. He, did that, he did that in a music video. One of his original in music videos. Yeah. He was recreating yeah. it. I know, but to actually do it in real life again. I felt like I was back in like like middle school with all the performers and I don't know. I wonder how long he was, I wonder how long he was hanging there before the camera cut to him. Yeah, that's got to be kind of like uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Favorite commercial. Did anyone have a favorite commercial? I have one. What was it? I would have to say my personal favorite was the Bud Light Seltzer one with um, Guy Ferrari. Yeah, like, I thought Flavor that was Town. So you, you can't, you can't beat it. First, I was like, okay, where is this going? And then you see Guy, and you're like, all right, I'm in. Absolutely, yeah. best one. In Flavor Towns, because everyone's always like, White Claws and Truly's don't have any flavor. Mm-hmm. It was, Good it point. was smart, smart marketing right there. They should give their marketing person a raise. Some people do not deserve a raise after their Super commercials but what was your uh, least favorite Super Bowl commercial Bertie oh gosh there were quite a few like I can't even remember them because they they had no impact on like what they were selling um, okay. so there's that I liked the Robo Dog one thought that was okay. sweet that was a good one yeah and it showed that it can uh, like charge other things from the car um, I also liked one that I cannot find anywhere, and it was like a 
porcupine thing talking to like another animal and then like out comes a guy like on a on a wild wing or something and I've searched for it all day and I cannot find it anywhere so if anyone knows what I'm talking about please comment because I thought it was so funny and also everybody remembered it but I can't remember what it was called so I stand maybe correct I stand corrected uh Wesley Rule just reminded me of my favorite commercial and it was the Richard Schwartz commercial um broadcasted in jackson mississippi bailey knows what i'm talking about (laughs) it was if you haven't seen it you're you should be jealous because it was possibly the greatest commercial i've ever seen in my entire life i was yeah that's Uh, the most stunned i was (laughs) (laughs) wait can can y'all send it to me obviously i'll try in jackson so yeah I'll, i'll try and find it but basically um the only reason we have jackson commercials is because c spire tv is our uh, what we subscribe to it's great i love uh, it it's got all the bells and whistles and channels you can rewind you can fast forward it's pretty sick but anyways um he had all these like celebrity lookalikes on his commercial singing songs that were famous by the artist but with like richard swartz like lyrics it was pretty sick nice i like it apparently in memphis they had one about like not murdering people pretty crazy it's tasteful yeah anyway my favorite murdering let's talk about how Ole Miss is gonna murder it in baseball this year we have to talk about your prop bets how you did on the prop bets oh yeah I was looking them up not good at all I don't I think I might have gotten two right all right two we got tails real quick. okay Birchie said tails that was wrong wrong the first play from scrimmage, pass or run. She said pass. I don't remember if it was a pass or a run. I think it was a run. I can't remember, though. We'll go with run. Birchie was wrong again. Okay. I did get over 95 seconds for the um... national anthem. Yeah. National anthem did go over. That was a good bet, yeah. That was. Over nine and a half. What was that point scored in the first quarter? Addison yeah. had the questions. You have the questions, Addison, don't you? Yes. Uh, uh, yes. I let me get them pulled up. I'm sorry. Yeah, that um, would it be was a jersey number helpful. of the first touchdown scorer, and I said it was over nine and a half minutes. I would assume the point. No, the, no, the jersey, jersey number. number. Jersey number. That was under because Odell Beckham Jr. scored the first touchdown, didn't he? So I got yes. that one wrong again. Okay. What was the the third the next question? Um, team right to score on the first drive of the game, yes or no? I said no. Okay, so you got that one. Mm-hmm. Um, total successful field goals. Field goals. Successful? Uh-huh. Over under three and a half. I think it was three. Bengals had two for sure. And then another one. I can't remember. Well, one of them was, one was unsuccessful. That was a field goal. Oh, that was that was an extra point. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I think it was three. Yeah. So wrong again. Either team to miss an extra point. You got that one right. You said you said yes. Like you got that right. I guess so. Um, I said Bengals were going to win and they lost. Oh no! I said they were the last team to score and they were not. They were not. Last um, play of the I game. They kneel down. Yes. And then total points scored odd or even. I said odd. 23-20, so it's 46, so it was even. 
So got that wrong. I know that the color was blue and I said it was going to be orange. And which the only two options were yellow, but or orange. And then I said it was going to be 27 to 21 Bengals. So obviously the only things I got right were the song over 95 seconds and um, the missed field goal. Right. So really not good for me. Hey, this, getting two right is better than getting one right. right or getting zero That's right. right. Speaking of things that are going to be right this year, let's talk about Ole Miss baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, wait, it. should we call the surge line? We should it's call time. the surge line. Um, <laughs> I'll let you do the honors. Yeah, line. so as you all know, um, this uh, show is, is fully brought to you by our friends over at Surge. That's S-U-R-J-A-E or S-U-R-J-E. It is an incredible way to communicate with people in various industries or professions. They're actually having Derek Diamond and Peyton Chatagnier on a, a live stream question and answer tomorrow. We'll post that link so y'all can get on there. But it's an incredible thing for creators or people that have questions to talk with any industry expert. So y'all sign up for Surge. That's S-U-R-J-E dot C-O. Um, all right. Bailey, our, our Ole Miss baseball fanatic expert. Extraordinary. Yeah, uh, closely upon us. They're the first game Friday against Charleston Southern. And so... We, uh, we're going to have Derek Diamond starting Friday, which I think was kind of expected. You have uh, right. Doug and Gunner leaving. So I think kind of the everyone's thought process was Derek one way or another would start Friday. And whether yeah. or not that continues throughout the season and SEC play remains to be seen. But mm -hmm. so we have that. And Derek's kind of the big talking point as a whole not just about like on this pitching, but as success too, because they don't really have a Friday night guy like they've had. They don't have a gunner dodge to go out there and give them just, win. Things, just one run, maybe 10 K's or something. Derek's had a lot of trouble throughout this his time. And something I was looking at earlier, this is last year was actually only his first time pitching against SEC experience too. That's so fair. You have, yeah, you have like Doug and Gunner going out there as freshmen, throwing. I think Doug basically took Friday night when he was a freshman, but he was like Friday, Saturday from the start. But then he had Gunner, who struggled a lot as a freshman, but he still had right. all those Sunday starts and the uh, super against Arkansas. So they all had like a lot of experience coming in. Derek was basically kind of an experienced freshman going in because he just had that uh 2020 COVID season right and so he did good in 2020 relative to the competition they played and whatnot but he never really he was very uh highly ranked coming out well recruited yep he's not really lived up to that expectation kind of what he is able to do one of the big things he's kind of not been able to do is kind of that swing and miss, which is what you expect out of a Friday night guy. And not only that, it's he gets hit around a lot and very hard. Like their balls are leaving the yard more than other pitchers. And so it's if you're not going to 
strike a lot of people out you don't want to have hard contact and if you mm-hmm. do not don't want to have hard contact you kind of need to strike people out right well he's doing neither of those and so he's just kind of had this rough go so far and i mean he's had his flashes and stuff too but yeah just kind of there's a lot to, to be left from him and there's a lot of people talking if he can you know step up take that role this year and we'll let to see but it's a lot of growing up a lot of mental stuff too i think Shikanda, he's almost getting thrown into the fire a bit. Shikanda told to go out there. This is what you need to do. And I think a lot of that's kind of inhibited him. He just kind of needs to go out there and just kind of pitch, not worry about. He kind of tries to do the fine things too much instead of the major things. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And then originally what we thought was we were going to have Jack Washburn and uh, John Gaddis, the two transfers from uh, – Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and then Oregon State be Saturday, Sunday, whichever guys. But apparently, uh, reported today that Jack Washburn is going to be the weekday guy, and they're going to have Drew McDaniel throw hmm. on the weekend instead. So that's very interesting. And I don't know really what to make of that. Kind of seems like it's too extreme because McDaniel is kind of similar situation to Diamond, pretty well recruited out of high school, which hasn't lived up to it a lot. And then Washburn was kind of expected to come in and be kind of a stable guy for him. And so you have that switch. It's kind of not expected. So it's either McDaniel came and kind of really took that next step and really able to be a lot better than he was last year, or Washburn came in and just wasn't they expected. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. We hope it's McDaniel taking the next step. Yeah, definitely for sure. And Washburn, last year was his first year off Tommy John, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he pitched fairly well. He had 21 games. Most of it was limited starts. He only had five starts, so he mostly out of the pen. He threw with Dunhurst this summer at the, for the USA baseball collegiate team. So there's some familiarity there. And I'm sure that played into kind of the transfer and whatnot, too. Yeah. But he had 34 two-thirds innings pitch, 43 strikeouts, and – uh, opponent batting average of 186 in the Pac-12, which is, I mean, that's really good. I mean, it's not SEC West or anything, but, I mean, it's not anything to scoff over either. Yeah, the pitching kind of reminds me, you know, Friday night, Derek Diamond reminds me of uh, when Will Etheridge was the Friday night starter for Ole Miss. Wasn't a true Friday night guy, but kind of good enough to go out there and get the job done, give you five solid innings, maybe yeah. six. And that's what kind of the – the starting role as a whole is kind of, they don't have these Friday, Saturday, Sunday guys. They just kind of have a handful of pitchers that are all kind of the same. And they're not necessarily just all Sunday guys or all these guys are just trying to throw in there and hope works. I mean, they're all solid guys, but there's no one that's really standing out right now. So it's not the worst thing ever, but they just need some consistency and someone Friday kind of, they don't need them to, you know, just take that step. They just need them to be good enough to keep them in games and give them a chance. No, for sure. And, like, I mean, Diamond's got the stuff to be, like, a great pitcher. He just mm-hmm. needs to put it all together. We kind of talked about that earlier. But, I mean, like you said, he's shown flashes of being really great. And then he's shown yeah. flashes of being not so good. So, if he can be consistent and, like, kind of be a like, – not like the Friday guy like Doug and Gunner were, but, like, just kind of like that, then this team has a very high ceiling. Yeah, yeah, and kind of like Addison said, like, kind of uh, Will Etheridge, like, mm-hmm. you don't really need him to go out there and give you seven or whatever, like Doug and Gunner could. He can go out there and give you five, five and two-thirds, something solid innings, 
right. two, three earned runs or something, just enough to keep him in the game, offense to get it going. And I know one of the main things they worked on this year is uh, when he got to campus, they kind of threw away his curveball and opted for more of a slider. And I know uh, during this offseason, they kind of brought back that slider with uh, or brought back that curveball with the slider in hopes of getting kind of more of a wipeout pitch, getting more uh, swings and misses. Who's that? Diamond. Diamond. Yeah. Apparently the freshman from Tupelo is a stud. Yes, Hunter Elliott, yeah. He uh, left-hander from Tupelo, which is huge, especially, you know, limited left-handers last year. I think you have you Doug and uh, Kimbrell. I think they had one other one that really didn't pan out. So you lose Doug. Well, there is half your pitching. And then you have Kimbrell, which – Hasn't really been able to do a whole lot. He gave us some innings last year. But uh, so him to come in and kind of have a good fall and uh, early spring and winter. So he'll be a lot of uh, a lot of innings for him coming out of the bullpen. And kind of now that uh, Washburn's been named weekday starter, that kind of squashes maybe the idea that he would get the uh, weekday slot. Because I know a lot of people like to kind of put a younger guy in there, kind of break them in to get in the rotation later in college career. So it'll be interesting to see how much usage he gets. Right. So that's, that's kind of like the, um, the pitching. Now I think it's time we kind of talk about what's more of the known that we've seen. Obviously Ole Miss is returning all nine as far as their hitters go, which it's good having that consistency. They were really great last year and just returning all those bats is going to be awesome. Um, granted, I don't know much about the roster itself, but I know that you two do. So I'll kind of let y'all like take lead on this one. Yeah, absolutely. You have all the position guys returning and then you have right field where Leatherwood was. And that's kind of been a talking point somewhat. You could see maybe someone new in there. They're kind of in the position now where there's not a weak, spot in the batting order so you start mm -hmm. trying to creep into the territory of you know maybe you switch people out for defensive purposes because I know mm -hmm. they didn't have trouble defensively necessarily last year but they were just kind of they were just average nothing they may have some errors and stuff a lot of it was freshman stuff too but you know that thought kind of creeps into your mind now and so uh I know Bianco's kind of talked about it uh, you have bench at third base and that's kind of another where do you put him because he's going to be your best defender at every position except for mm. catcher with Dunhurst so talking about putting a shortstop third, you know I don't know I've never seen him at short so never know but uh maybe move him back to center he was really good center fielder he's very kind of give you that older presence out there, you know, Kevin's out there, but, you know, that leader in the outfield, TJ was kind of throwing out there last year, just the best bat, you're fast. Go Deer and headlights. Kind of. So, mm -hmm. uh, Bianco's talked about kind of two lineups, one with him at uh, third, and then maybe putting him back out at center field. They're going to try those the first weekend early on in the season, see which one works best. Well, where will they put TJ? Will they put TJ at third? So, I don't know if he's necessarily gone out and said the specifics, but what's the probable is they move him to right field, move TJ to right field. They have a Juco guy that came in. He was kind of a sign in place. He signed with uh, 
TJ Gonzo and them. And so he played Juco ball, transferred back, mm-hmm. Reagan Buford. And they've been, he's been talked about a lot, had a good uh, fall and winter, moving him at third base. Okay. So then where – so is Leatherwood going to DH, depending on who pitching matchups or – You know, it's it's kind of up in the air. There's a lot of options they can do. It kind of depends on the bench thing. You know, you hope everyone else is still hitting the same. You don't have to put him elsewhere because of that. And so you have uh, Ben Van Cleve on the bench still. He's gotten a lot of at-bats lately. You have Leatherwood there. He's kind of up in the air. And you have uh, Banks Tolley. He's a JUCO transfer, and he's made a lot of noise in this uh, offseason. And you have uh, some returning Eve Kemp who's still back, who's looked to be really refreshed, kind of fixed his swing and stuff. With the off-speeds? Yep, fixed the off-speeds. And then you still have Calvin Harris, too. So you have a lot of options off the bench for DH, and that's a good thing and a bad thing because you're going to have a lot of options. You know, if someone's cold, not doing something, you have someone else to take the reins. But then you also have a lot of good people who aren't getting at-bats. And, you know, people yeah. start getting little wandry eyes and, you know, you get transfers and maybe the people aren't progressing next year as you hope because they didn't get the same kind of experience this mm-hmm. year. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there. And that's kind of – you can throw in the defensive thing too. So so are you putting – like where are we putting Elko essentially? Elko, you stick him at first, yeah. Okay. He – you can put him at third. He can play third, obviously, with the ACL and stuff. He'll be – I'm pretty sure he's 100% now. Yeah. You know, he's going to be really close to beginning of the season. But you just keep him at first. It kind of it, – it works out the best and just keeps him there. But, I mean, if he needs to play third, he can. But, I mean, it's going to take some – you know, someone not playing good, have to move bench somewhere, then an injury on top of that. So, just keep him at first and kind of keep him there. You definitely have him that can play third there as well. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what he was playing before. And then you still have TJ, who maybe slide Gonzo to third, move TJ to shortstop, put TJ at third. So they have options. Yeah, I don't think they're going to take uh, Jacob out of the shortstop position. No. I wouldn't imagine. He projects more as a third baseman. Really? Next level. He's a lot – he's bigger. So, as far as, like, bigger picture in the SEC, like, I saw that Ole Miss was, like, voted as upon the coaches to finish and, like, win the West and then win the SEC. Kind of where do you see this team's ceiling as far as, like, what's reasonable? And as with the SEC being as competitive as it is, you always have Vanderbilt that's in there. Arkansas loses mm-hmm. some, but they'll be good. Like, where do you see this team finishing? I was really surprised by the coach. Well, I didn't expect yeah. that. Everyone knew Ole Miss would be good. You always have the same people. You have State, Arkansas, or whatever. LSU will be a lot better this year. But uh, that kind of took me by surprise a little bit. But this team is very similar to Arizona last year. Okay. Who just mashed their way to Omaha. And what you have to hope for is kind of offense. They keep their rhythm that they had last year and whatnot. The pitching's good enough to get them wins, to let the offense do their job. So I think that's definitely the ceiling. And 
the floor, I don't think you necessarily have a disastrous season, but I mean, yeah. pitching doesn't hold up. Maybe two out of the three weekend guys aren't really – they're pretty shaky. You know, it can – it's the SEC West. It can get downhill fast. That second yeah. half edge is pretty rough. So, it'll be interesting. The ceiling, this team's roster is good enough to compete for a national championship. It should be. I mean, their, their ceiling is national championship. Yeah, definitely. Omaha is definitely the – I mean, you saw Arizona do it last year. Yeah. But it just – there's so many question marks kind of – not necessarily about pitching as a whole, but kind of that weekend rotation. I think as a whole, the pitching staff will be better and kind of the whole idea of – because, I mean, obviously you have Gunner and Doug last year, but after that you have Broadway and you start falling off into some freshman arms. So – They'll have a lot more out of the bullpen this year, which helps a lot for the weekend starters. So if the weekend starters can be consistent, you know, not allow too many runs, keep them in games and put them in good position. You know, I think they can go as far as they can hit the ball. No, it should be a fun season. And like, like you said, like the SEC is always super competitive. It's the best conference in general, but the best conference in baseball, almost yeah, certainly. Exactly. And they got a really easy uh, pool from the SEC East. They're not playing Vandy. Georgia or uh, Florida. So they really? would all three of those. Yeah. Okay. So that's huge. It'll be good. I'm excited. I mean, are you going to opening day? I'm not. We have some tests and stuff coming up. I mean, I'll be uh, watching stuff. So I'm bummed. But, you know, I kind of, I love like the Swayze environment, but I like watching on TV too. Yeah. Kinda, you can watch it a little bit better and oh, see what's yeah. happening. So, it's a whole different experience, you know, yeah, like, is. I mean, when you're, when you're watching the game on TV, like you said, you pick up on stuff. Like, I feel like I'm more engaged in the game when I'm watching it. Um, whereas when I'm like at the game in Swayze, it's kind of more of like a social thing. Yeah. Especially with like the big weekends too. Yeah. You can go to midweek stuff and watch it and pick up some stuff, but it's definitely not the same as getting that TV view on the picture. Addison, are you going? Mm-hmm. Uh, undecided. We're kind of depend on the weather. Okay. And just what's going on. I, I would uh, imagine that I will be there. If I had to take a guess, I would say yes. Um, but it just kind of depends on what happens. Yeah. I mean, I'm I, yeah, I'm obviously not going. I'm going to make it down for a couple weekends. I'm definitely going to come for double decker and state because you know, it's going to be an awesome weekend. And then I'll probably go to one more. I haven't really decided yet though. Yeah, I'll have to see. I think I might want to try to go up for that Tennessee series. I think that'll okay. be a fun one to go to. Yeah, Tennessee, they were are they gonna be good this year? I mean, I know they were pretty darn good last year. I think I don't think they'll be as good as they were last yeah. year. They'll still be good enough. Nothing that you can just sleep over from or something, but I think they'll be they'll be up there. Not necessarily yeah. Florida Vandy. They're catching a jerk. Oh, you don't like Vitello? Mm-mm. <laughs> He's a jerk. Why? It's not just heard stories that are not appropriate for okay. this, oh. this telecast. Oh, we will not we will not talk about it. <laughs> no, not, not appropriate for this telecast. Right. We keep it PG-13, right? No, we'll go R, yeah. but this is like NR-17. Uh, we don't want to do we're that. Definitely not no, we're definitely not We're not doing that. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited for the season. It's going to be fun. Um, almost should be awesome. They should be really good if the bats stay as hot as we think they're going to be and the pitching can just be consistent. 
should be a fun season. Yeah, they have an easy first half of the schedule, kind of get some stuff worked out, figure some stuff out, which is nice with all those kind of pitching questions. So as long as the bats kind of keep it up, you know, maybe even take a dip. I mean, it was just outrageous times last year. So I think they'll be fine. They'll figure their way out. Yeah, well, Bailey, thanks so much for for joining us uh, on this episode, especially on Valentine's Day. Like we said again, thanks again. Um, for those listening, follow us on Instagram, homefield underscore tailgate to keep up with us um, and see what we're doing. It's on Twitter, you can follow us at HFT underscore official. And then on Spotify, make sure to subscribe and on YouTube Live so you can get notified every single time we post, which right now is Mondays at six. So um, let us know if there's anything extra y'all want, segments, whatever, just DM us. Um, and Bailey, thanks again. Yeah, Bye, thank you, all. Bailey. Bye.